I have learned so much from Diane, my co-host from the first few seasons. She taught me so much and she became one of my closest friends and I haven't talked to her in a really long time, but that's not the point of this episode. The point of what I'm trying to say right now is that one thing that she taught me out of all of the other things, and she said it so many times on this show, and I am lovingly carrying it forward. Two things can sit together at the same time without blending together. Two things together. You can feel hope and you can feel despair. You can feel overwhelming joy and buckets and buckets of heavy, heavy grief all at the same time. Today's guest, Amanda, is here to share her story of all of these emotions and how she's facing the next chapter of her life with all of these feelings and how they're all sitting together at the same time, holding hands. Hi, I'm Susan, and this is When Autumn Comes. You know, sometimes life just looks a little different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for the mamas and dadas and caregivers, and the people who love them, of course, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into her eyes and explained our child's prognosis. It's a place for the caregivers who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as the darker days and colder temperatures begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it can feel like four seasons in one day. We're here to help you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, help you learn and help you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. The When Autumn Comes podcast is a program of the Apricity Hope Project, a nonprofit organization created to empower, encourage, and restore caregivers of medically complex and disabled children. You can learn more about our project and help support this podcast by visiting www.apricityhope.org slash autumn. Amanda, welcome to When Autumn Comes. I am so excited to have you here. You are one of my random internet friends that I have met in passing. I don't even really know how. Did we just meet on Instagram? So what you don't know (laughs) is that when Maisie was diagnosed, when we first heard the word mitochondrial disease, Mm -hmm. Immediately, I went on to, instead of going to Google, because I made that mistake before, right. I went on to Facebook and Instagram and typed in mitochondrial disease, and Lorelai was the first person that popped up. Really? So I started following, I've known you before you knew me for well, a very long time. that's not creepy at all. <laughs> so I started following Miss Lorelai way before you ever met me. And that's kind of how I had the introduction of like, okay, this family's doing this, so we can do this too. That really, um, it it's magic, right? Like it, it really is. It makes so much of this worth it. So I, I'm surprised you never told me that you creepy yeah. stalker. <laughs> I have my ways. <laughs> 
So Amanda, welcome to When Autumn Comes. This is a podcast for mamas who are like us, who have medically complex kiddos, and for the people who love them to listen and learn about our stories and our amazing kids. Um, One of the things that I think is super important about this podcast and this journey is that you are on the other side of this medical motherhood journey. Um, I currently sit with one foot on heaven and one foot on earth and um, both medically complex in my case. And I was talking to Kristen, who is helping. She's on the What Autumn Comes team. And we were saying how important I think it is to continue to love on the moms that were medical caregiving moms. Yeah. That are not currently earthly medical caregiving mamas. And you are one of them. And I know your short time with Maisie still affects everything that you are going through. Absolutely. And so we are here to talk about that today. Um, so spoiler alert to all the listeners, Maisie passed. Because <laughs> yes. I'm like, well, I just ruined that story. But the incredible thing that she just reminded me of is that Maisie passed two weeks before Lorelai did. Is that right? Yeah. Two weeks, almost yeah. exactly. Yeah. It was a, a Tuesday early morning. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So as we were just realizing what was happening to us, then I got the notification on Instagram that Lorelai had passed. And I said, like, how fitting. Like, <laughs> yeah. At least, like, it gave me a little bit of solace knowing that they're together. Well, and you know that Maisie was there with like a giant banner, like billboard size banner saying, oh, yeah, welcome doodle. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, there's I'm no sure doubt, it was there's no doubt in my mind. Tie dye with pink glitter and all the things like, yeah, oh, yeah, she was she was part of that welcome committee. So for yeah. sure. So tell us what made her magic. What was so amazing about Maisie? Oh, my gosh. Wow. That child from the very beginning, thing that somebody told her that she was going to do, she would do the opposite right from in utero. Like we're talking 20 weeks pregnant. They kept saying, well, Amanda, if you're still pregnant next week, come back. If mm-hmm. you're still pregnant, my entire pregnancy. And this kid was just like, oh, you have no idea. Just wait. You wait and see. Mm-hmm. So she she had that attitude her entire life. She was small. She was four pounds when she was born. Small and mighty. Mm-hmm. Mighty as could be. And just like the quirkiest. And we just say weird. She was just weird kid. And I loved everything about that. Like, just the most unique sense of humor. Like she was just. She this is exactly why so they're much. besties. Like yeah. this is exactly why Lorelai and Maisie are besties. <laughs> like she she was so girly girl, but loved like fart sounds and bathroom oh, yes. talk and like yeah i'm like oh my god child every time every time i looked at her i was like oh my god <laughs> so Maisie also had mitochondrial disease yes her diagnosis was mitochondrial disease complex one deficiency okay so that in itself is rare and unique however mm-hmm. the chromosomal change on their abnormality was the real unique part there's only what do they say 14 known in the world something like that like beating the odds but not in our favor kind of thing yeah 
Yep, yeah. exactly. Lorelai was 31st documented case of her type of mito. And then um, the the layout, I don't, my my husband could tell us all Same, of the science-y stuff. But like, that's my husband. He's yeah. like details. They said that the way her gene presented was like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, where most are like A, F, D, B, whatever. They were like, Lorelai's right. is like literally perfectly imperfect and we've never seen this before. And I'm like, well, that, that described my right. kid. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that lines up. <laughs> yeah. So how old was she when she passed? She was just shy of five. So we okay. always say in our house, because for some reason we made five a really big deal. It was like being mm -hmm. 16. Mm -hmm. So, like, my mom would come down and Nanny would have her glass of wine and Maisie would, of course, want it. And we'd say, not till you're five. <laughs> Mind you, we're not feeding our child wine at five. <laughs> but that's what's... You Canadian deal. <laughs> we're so lenient with our ages. <laughs> so, so, five was a big deal. So, our friends actually surprised us with um, a bike trailer, a special needs bike trailer a week before she passed away and mm -hmm. there was balloons and happy birthday songs and we had no idea so in her little heart of hearts she was five mm -hmm. like she had the big celebration from her buddies and all of her friends showed up mm -hmm. so that gives so me on, chills like how it's amazing. amazing it's amazing and so purposefully on her headstone i don't have the dates because i know her birthday and i know that date that she passed i don't need to see it but I have the years and it's five years. So she's, mm. she made it to five. Oh, I have chills. I have so many chills. I, I love that. And I think in our, in our world, like, you know, I always joke that in Mito years, Lorelai was 92. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and we have to like fudge a few things here and there. Like the Girl Scouts let Lorelai join a little bit early. And I love that she sold over 750 boxes of cookies and got her day at Girl Scout camp. Oh, and then she passed two months later. So, like, you know, our girls did things their own way. And Absolutely. I think that if a mom is listening right now who is facing things that are scary or there's life expectancies mm -hmm. or things that are very uncomfortable for you. Just do what you need to do. Yes. Don't listen to the rules. Don't listen and just just do what you need to do. I think because we had that looming in the back of our minds every single solitary day is that my husband and I, we really made sure that there was nothing that we couldn't do. Like that was never a topic. It's like, oh, we can't do that with Maisie. If there was a friggin' will, there was a way. We created contraptions to go climb ice waterfalls with her and take her places and do things with her. There's nothing that kid did not do. You are an overachieving Canadian. Like, <laughs> I am a plump American who is like, let's go see fake costumes at Disney World. And you're like, let's climb ice waterfalls. <laughs> Well, we're we're in the Maritimes, so there's not like too much to do besides ice waterfalls around here. <laughs> I mean, if there's a will, there's a way. Maybe Benji and I should come climb an ice waterfall or something. Like Absolutely. you can, Absolutely. you and your husband can help Harry Benji up an ice waterfall. 
Done. Say no more. (laughs) One of the things that you and I were talking about before we were on air was the interesting life that we have had knowing that our kids were going to pass. Um, You know, I I didn't realize that you, that Maisie was breaking the rules from week 20. Lorelai started breaking the rules around week 30 of our pregnancy. And she came into this world like a wrecking ball. And it was trauma from day one. Oh, 100%. Um, Yeah. But I also, like, even in the Mito community, I know of people who had their children, had three years, and then got a diagnosis. So, So the fact that you and I knew something was not right from the beginning, I think, makes our stories very similar. But that allows us to live our lives and be like, we were open about what we were going through and we were open about our bucket list for our kids. Um, since being a bereaved mom, I've learned a lot about, did you know, like, we're not supposed to ask people about how their children passed? Yeah, see, that blow, like, if that is something I've learned on this journey because I had no idea. I've been so outwardly open about mm-hmm. Maisie's journey from from jump like like you're saying from when I was pregnant we knew that we were kept being told like if, if you're still pregnant after 20 weeks come back next week if you're still pregnant I don't know motherhood without trauma mm-hmm. basically and that's a hard thing to for anybody to wrap their head around because everyone says oh when you're a parent you always worry well this is a whole other level of yeah. normal worry so, no, I had no idea and I was so open about it. I'm an open person anyway. But when we started needing help, financial help and emotional support, I was wide open. So, no, it's never been a guess for anybody mm-hmm. around us or our community, our province, our city. Everyone knew what we were going through. So when I met other bereaved parents, mm-hmm. my first reaction was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm so sorry. But what happened? Yeah, I never knew not to ask those questions. I also kind of assumed, and this is a shame on me, but I also kind of assumed when meeting other bereaved families on Instagram, like that their children had a disease. Like it wasn't even a thought to me about the accidents. Like Mm. not a thought as I was meeting other bereaved families online. Exactly. Um, Probably because I was doing this and I'm so entrenched in this bubble. But then I also step back and I think before Lorelai, I was not aware of this community, you know? See, it's the internet's a fascinating place because you Mm -hmm. get to meet so many people and you do mold your world into like where you belong and this is where we belong. But like growing up, I even sit reflect back and like, I didn't know special needs kids growing up. Like it was a different world, a different community. And I can only imagine how isolating that time was. And I, like, I knew of people in school, but, like, obviously as a child, I never thought this. But even as a 20-something living her best life, mm-hmm. I never thought about the mother who was giving suppositories every day. No. I never thought about the fact that because they have such low tone and they can't sit means they can't poop necessarily. and. You know, things like that, like, never, ever crossed my mind. No. My God, no. And we didn't, 
And in our family as well, on both sides of my husband and I, we didn't have any special needs family members. We had Mm -hmm. no medically complex family members. We So when we were hit with a reality, we were gobsmacked. Like Mm -hmm. it, it was everything came out of left field. We always say like every time we went to the doctor, something else, there's a new diagnosis. There was a new Mm -hmm. medication. There was something new. A new fear. A new fear. Yeah. 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 I, like you, am very open about my... Obviously, I'm a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, you found me and Lorelai before I even knew you. Exactly. Um, I have been very open about a lot of things. And when it came to having Benji, Mm -hmm. my husband and I had a lot of conversations like, how do we do this? Like, how do we... How do we share this with people? How are we going to tell the world that we are having another child? Yeah. How are we going to tell the world that we are having another child who has the same life-threatening disease? Also, like, why does it matter if we tell the world, but we had already been so public? Mm. Um, so it was it was a really big thing for us to figure out. And I... Of course, like you said, the internet is a very special place. And I got some people who said, well, it's your fault. You knew that there was a 25% chance. Oh, my God. I've posted some things and I've gotten, I don't know if they're trolls or just assholes, but I've um, gotten. I'm going with the second. Probably (laughs) both. (laughs) But, you know, like, well, Benji's in pain because you knew this was an option or you knew this was a a possibility and it just it hurts but for us we just knew somebody was missing and I didn't know who it was going to be so we went back and forth quite a bit before we shared that Benji had Mito um I'm about to give a big spoiler alert to your story so do you want to tell <laughs> our listeners what's going on with your life yeah so our life is about to take a full 360, 180, whatever you want to, whichever way you want to look at it, because it's kind all of directions. <laughs> We're going in all directions. We are five weeks out from having a baby, which is bonkers to me. Like we're, we're going back into newborn phase seven <laughs> years later. What? <laughs> Bless you. I. Oh, am man. Way out of the game mentally, physically, emotionally. So bless you. I'm still in disbelief. I'm like, are we? Are are you sure that's what's going on? I'm not just bloated, right? <laughs> no, you're not. You have the most adorable bump I've ever seen on Instagram. So yes, yeah, it's kind of we're in a little bit in disbelief because it was a long journey to get here, and it's a little boy. It's a little boy, which is also blowing my mind. I cried more when I found out that I was having a boy than I found out that he was having mito. We found out his gender first, and then we found out about mitochondrial disease. And my husband, my first response was, well, at least he's not going to want snakes and lizards. Like, Mike was like, seriously, (laughs) that's what you're thinking right now? I was like, I mean, yeah. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I know. It's It's wrapping your head around everything, right? Absolutely. So your journey and my journey, while they were super similar to begin with, Mm -hmm. um, your son is healthy. He is. Yeah. Yes. And And I will I will say before you before we dive into the grief and joy together, I want to say to you, 
um, you know, like you and I are acquaintances. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call us best friends by any means. Um, no offense. Like I would be your best friend, but like I was incredibly moved and humbled and appreciative that before you share, I'm getting like chills and emotional. Oh, but before you shared about your little boy, you reached out to me and you were like, Hey, I just want to let you know before this is on social media that we are pregnant and he is healthy. And I just want to let like, it meant so much to me because you understand not only having a little girl who's sick, but you understand having a little girl that you've lost yeah. and wanting another child. And my husband and I made very different life choices than you and your husband. And unfortunately, but fortunately, unfortunately is not the right word, but you know, unfortunately, Benji has Mito, and yeah. we embraced that and knew that he was going to be a perfect little partner for Doodle. Absolutely. And um, that was the path we went. And I am so grateful that you didn't let social media blindside me. Mm. Um, because it wouldn't have, like, there. there's no reason why you had to do what you did. But I appreciated it. So oh, thank my you. <laughs> I wish our cam I wish my cameras was working because I am like a hot mess right now. I know, I don't there was something that it just did not feel right. I mean, like you said, we're acquaintances. We've met over the internet and we were able to connect, but that bond is so unique and so different mm-hmm. than the bonds I have with my best friend. It's just Mm-hmm. it's not it's not less than it's not more than it's just unique in itself and i think it's so beautiful but yeah. yep. when i when i reached out i was like if i if i put myself in her shoes and know what this person's journey is and this is someone i connect with on such a high emotional level i could only give you that respect for you to digest that information and grieve with it or celebrate it, whatever, whichever way felt right for you. And there's no other way. Both. I, I, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the grief and the celebration, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because I segue. can imagine, I can imagine, obviously I don't understand, but yeah. I can imagine that finding out that you are pregnant with a healthy baby um and i know that this was a long journey for you to get to this place so feel mm-hmm. free to share whatever you want of that journey but i can imagine that there is a lot of grief and celebration sitting side by side for you right now yeah it's um the grief i always say to anybody who has asked me how are you feeling physically I'm wonderful, wonderful, doing all the things. Mentally, I've checked out. I've checked out of work, so I'm off work now, thankfully. But when it comes to, like, celebrating, because everyone's first reaction to a new baby is celebration. And I said, I'm not ready to celebrate until he's here because we lived in so much unknown for our whole life. We are programmed in the unknown and ready for the shoe to drop. Even though we know what we know, we're like, 
but there's still that 1%. We lived in the 1% the last seven years of our lives. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, there's a 1% of this chance happening. It's not going to happen. It happened every time. Yeah. So to live in celebration, that's unknown and foreign to me. Like that scares me more than grief scares me. Is it like a fear of not just celebrating, but like you're you're having a little boy who hasn't met your little girl? Is that it's any a, part of this? Oh God, yes. There's that's a lot of it too. Like there's so much to unpack. There's it's fear of fear of moving on. That scares the hell out of me. Mm. Because I wanted, we wanted so badly for Maisie to be a big sister here on Earthside. We wanted that so badly. So part of our journey was that we did get pregnant with um, a pregnancy that we chose to terminate because it came up that this baby had the same disease as Maisie. And because Maisie's condition was so incredibly rare, we didn't know if she was mild yeah. or severe. We didn't know what kind of life that child would have. And we just knew that Maisie needed all of us at that time. I said, I don't know how I could split my time. And I don't know how I could give her all of me and this other baby all of me. And so that was an impossible decision I hope no one ever has to make. But that's what we did. Then we tried the fertility route. We said, okay, let's bypass hard decisions. Mm-hmm. Let's let's buy the easy decision. Well, guess what? There's no guarantees of that either. <laughs> so three fertility treatments later, one of them being successful embryos, which also contained mitochondrial disease. And so... Even though they were embryos, not inside of me, but they were still the two of us. Yeah. That was hopes and dreams gone yet again. And then we got pregnant on our own and we didn't really even try this time. It was, it was spontaneous and natural and all to do with Big Sister, I'm sure, because it was after he passed and it just, Seems like the better timing because we've lived with our loss without Maze for two years and we've mm-hmm. healed, I think, as much as we can because it's going to be a forever journey. Yeah. And you're at a more stable place with your yes. grief. Yeah. Absolutely. So now it's like when we decided to do the genetic testing, because for us, knowing is power and we can Mm -hmm. make informed decisions so we did do the genetic testing but we had to wait till we were far into our second trimester before we got any information about decisions we'd have to make but to get that phone call that he does not have mitochondrial disease I think took my breath away more than finding out when Maisie had mitochondrial disease it just I didn't know a world without the medical side yeah I'm like, I'm getting super. (laughs) We're just going to sit here and cry for the next. I I got the other call. Right. Um, Absolutely. You know, and we are sharing this because we know that there's moms on both sides of this table that have gotten gotten the calls. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
it just it it's not an easy journey no matter what Um, no but i think as your friend and as a cheerleader for you like i am overjoyed that you are you are going to experience holland and italy so to speak (laughs) you're gonna get one foot in each country and you are going to be able to experience the magic that Maisie has helped handpick her brother to keep her so much involved and her spirit so much involved that's how I frame everything he was handpicked by her so before we started recording I was saying how unique and strange and silly this girl what is is still Mm-hmm. And the signs that she sends me, I'm like, only you girls, that would only be you. So I'm like, I'm so hopeful that her baby brother will be as strange and unique as her. Well, I will tell you, <laughs> Benji is polar opposite. That's so funny. Like, I was not prepared for a tiny Michael. <laughs> and... Lorelai, I didn't realize until after she passed that her strange and quirkiness and magicalness and her oh, colorfulness. Oh, that's all you. That was all me. you. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that when she was here. Um, oh, my God. I can see that from afar. That is all you. I did not realize it. And then when she left me with these two fuddy-duddies who don't find me funny, they love me <laughs> immensely. But they do not find me funny. And they do not like fart jokes. That's hilarious. Um, so he could not be magical and funny, <laughs> but he will still, I will say, everybody everybody said boys love their mamas different. And I was like, yeah, you guys are whatever. Yeah. They do. They That's what love I keep hearing. their mamas different. And I'm so excited for you to experience this. I'm. That's what everyone keeps saying. So I'm, I, I have to almost make myself be excited i have to convince myself of be of excitement because like we said like living between greece and hope is a whole different world that i mean people in our community experience Mm -hmm. but but the majority and we're i'm going to call them quote unquote you can't see my hands my my camera's not working but normies don't get to experience that and i'm saying get to because Mm -hmm. I'm trying to look at it as a gift. Absolutely. Because as corny as it sounds, without great love, there is no great grief. And we always call, she's the love of my life. Mm -hmm. She's the absolute love of my life. So without having that gift, I wouldn't have this grief and it's going to make I'm hoping it's going to make me parenting this little boy just a different set of eyes, a different lens than most people parent. I'm hoping that's going to be a gift. And it's not going to be easy because nothing about this journey has been easy. It's all been like self-discovery as you go. Yeah. And how do you keep her memory alive 
as he grows. Obviously, you can't answer that right now. But with Benji, I don't know what Benji understands, but we talk about Lorelai every single day. I get uncomfortable when I'm with people who are uncomfortable talking about Lorelai. Because I am like, Doodle would have loved this. And this is like, I mean, I don't know if you saw my post last week where you went to see the Grinch. Yeah. Did you see this? Of course I did. Yeah. We went to meet the Grinch. We drove four hours to go to the Dr. Seuss experience. And Lorelai loved Grinchy. And I had emailed them and asked about when the least germy time would be. Mm-hmm. And told them why I was coming. And I said both of my kids and ex- briefly, briefly explained our situation. Yeah. And, you know, we got there and Grinchy was waiting for Benji um, it was open to the public, but they said just come like at the very beginning. And he was waiting for Benji. And they said, Well, we have this gift for Benji, but we also have one for Lorelai. And oh. they gave it to me. And you know, I have friends and family that don't That's even amazing. want. Yeah. Like the fact that they not only acknowledged her. Ugh. But included her. That's, that's um, so special. I would have taken the human dressed in the Grinchy costume what? home with me, and just like I need you in my corner. I would have adopted Grinchy and been like, "I'm sorry to the human who's in there. Like this is going to be super awkward, but you're coming home with me, and you are going to just be the Grinch and live in my house the rest of my life because that's what Lorelai would have wanted." Um, I did not kidnap anyone. But um, full disclosure, it, full disclosure, everybody's where they belong. I had nothing to do with any crimes in D.C. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the fact that they included her. um, And I hope that and I know that as your little boy continues to grow, like you will always include Maisie and you will always. Because you're enough like me that Absolutely. I'm sure you have pictures all over your house. Absolutely. And like when they say twin flames, I think that is you and I. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, well, even um, redoing, well, we talked, you and I talked about this a little bit too, yeah. like redoing Maisie's room to be his nursery. I couldn't have done it. I mean, and I. I yeah, couldn't have done it. Was, this was not the house that we brought Maisie home to. So this is a new house mm. to accommodate her needs. Because different between our kids is that when Maisie was born, yes, she she met her milestones. They were late. But mm. she was walking. She was talking. She did all those things. And then with this disease, we slowly lost pieces of her. And so that was a whole other journey of grief so our grief started way before she passed and for people who don't understand mitochondrial disease mito is as generic as saying cancer and there's so many different types of mito and i would say that my kids are on the more severe end of the spectrum but even with their specific fbxl4 mitochondrial disease there are kids with fbxl4 that walk and talk but my kids are on the very severe end of this. Yeah. And in your case, I mean, just like you, we lost and continue to lose 
parts of my children as this disease progresses. But yeah. Maisie was stronger than Lorelai and Benji added together probably initially. Yeah. And yeah. And then so we didn't even get our diagnosis until she was two and a half. We had watched symptoms of things and we were treating the symptoms and the dots were all connecting, pointing to Maida, but we didn't have a definitive diagnosis because it was so incredibly rare. Mm. We actually got our diagnoses from a clinic in Switzerland. Oh, that got a hold of our DNA. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we had to search high and low. So our grief journey started years ago, mm-hmm. years and years ago. So by the time we got to this house, this was a house that accommodated her wheelchair, all her special needs devices. So this wasn't her nursery that we brought her home. Because I think there was a little bit of a removal there. But my mom gave me this beautiful idea when we were redoing his nursery. And her very pink girly walls were being painted over. I kept a beautiful little heart right above his crib that watches over him. So there's a pink heart that part of her room I could not paint over. And that was big sister's room. And she was there Mm -hmm. first. And she's always going to be there first. She's all like, sorry, sorry, little baby bro, but you'll never be the big. (laughs) (laughs) Unless, unless maybe number three comes along, but right. You will always be little bro. Like, you'll mm-hmm. ne- you're not going to get that title from her. Yeah. No, I love that. So I want to propose that you come back in like a year and you talk about what it's like being a parent who is half on earth and half in heaven. Yes. And how you've continued to honor Maisie and her medical journey, but also the inquiring mind of me wants to know, like, what the heck it's like being a typical parent. And do you put trauma into how does your trauma juggle a typical child? And I need to know know all the things. I'm curious of all these things as well. (laughs) Like, I'm like, how, what is normal? Like, you're like, can I just listen to that episode now so I know? Yeah. Like, like, let's, can I have a crystal ball, please? Well, I said to my friends, when it comes to feeding a baby, like even yeah. formula or food or like Maisie never ate. She had the G2. So I was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know how to feed a kid. Yeah. I know how to, I can like change a G tube in my sleep, but I don't know how to feed a kid. Let alone give a kid medicine. Yeah. What if he has a fever and he needs something? Like there's no G tube. What do you do? I was like, you don't just plug and go. Like that's what we did. So there was, that's what I said. There's always conveniences with having a special needs child. I was like, there was no snack time or having to stop for meals. I was like, no, we plug and go. Like, we, yeah. keep, we keep this tree moving. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we climb that ice mountain. <laughs> While <We're> being fed. <laughs> okay, so Amanda, the end, of, the end of every episode, we ask a simple yet heavy, not so easy question. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> the story of our lives, right? Yes, absolutely. That's the epitome of my life right there. I mm-hmm. love it. Go ahead. What gives you hope? Oh, gosh, that is a very simple but difficult question. What gives me hope? Who um, gives me hope, I guess. I What gives me hope is how Maisie saw the world and how she dealt with everything. Like, my... Another like surprise disclosure, our our pediatrician, whom 
is now a part of our family. I like I, I he is my Grinchy. I wanted to steal him, bring him to my house, and he's going to live here forever. He said something to me when Maisie was first going through her journey. He said that she will teach you things that you never thought you needed to know. And that is what's my continuing. I'm like, just keep teaching me. Mm-hmm. So that man, and I'll say, is, he's retired now, so I can disclose his name is Dr. Blaney. And this little boy is Blaney. His namesake is going to continue on for baby boy. So this is Blaney that I'm Aww. pregnant with. So it's a little nod to his sister in honor of Dr. Blaney, who brought us through this journey. But when he said those words to me, she's going to teach you things you never thought you needed to know. This is a continuing journey yeah. in in the medical world of parenting. And in I don't like the the quote unquote normal, healthy quote, like again, quote, air quote, what's healthy in these days. But like, yeah, that side, that scares me more because that's a journey I've never been down, which had you told you that eight years ago, like it wouldn't, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah. 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 So the normal, the healthy, the the things to not watch for, like we just lived in that for so long. So this, this notion of him being healthy and not to have to worry about these things, that scares me more than doing Mido again. Cause I know that, I know that we can handle that. We, we did it. I know that there's so many people who can relate to Amanda and to me for so many different reasons in this incredibly messy, beautiful, joyful, fearful, grief-filled, loving journey. In full disclosure, just had to re-edit this episode after three months and love it even more because next week you can join me and Amanda. Now that Blaney has arrived and catch up, I have to do my little final note here and say thank you for being here. And y'all, we have a bunch of really cool things happening in 2024 with the Apricity Hope Project. We have, as of right now, I think five or six retreats open for medical mamas, caregiven medical mamas at our hot pink beach house in Norfolk, Virginia, at the hideaway. We have retreats that are ready for you. And I think as of right now, uh, we are about two weeks before Christmas. As of right now, we have openings in every single retreat. So if you're interested in joining us for a restorative healing, find yourself as a person, not as a mama experience, look us up, sign up, We have fundraising options available. If you can't afford to pay for it, that's totally okay. We are making this work. We hope to see you guys in 2024. And for everybody else, we will see you next week when Amanda is going to be back to share her update that was supposed to be a year later, but surprise, it's next week. Okay, y'all, this is Suze. I am going to go finish re-editing this episode. Y'all stay hopeful. 
When Autumn Comes is a program of the Apricity Hope Project. Learn more about our mission, our nonprofit, and how we care for caregivers of medically complex and or disabled children at www.apricityhope.org. And you spell Apricity, A-P-R-I-C-I-T-Y. We know it's a new word. It's kind of weird, but apricityhope.org.